Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast. Hosted by Brooke and Farron. Where you learn a little about a lot. And sometimes a lot about a little. Welcome to the fifth episode of The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth by John Maxwell. Today we'll be covering chapters 13, 14, and 15. Chapter 13, The Law of Modeling. It's hard to improve when you have no one but yourself to follow. The most important personal growth phrase you will ever hear a good leader say to you is, follow me. This chapter is all about mentors, how to find one, what are some qualities they have, And there are some really good takeaways from this section. Yeah, and I think a lot of it starts with first looking at the areas in your life where you see weaknesses and getting mentors specifically in those areas. Right, so if you wanted to improve in your healthy lifestyle, you don't need to go to a zookeeper to get knowledge about animals. You need to go to someone who has been trained, who is smarter than you are in that area, who's had some experience in that area, just like you would with anything in education or with parenting. You're not going to ask someone who doesn't have kids, hey, how do you handle it when your child does X, Y, Z? They don't have that experience. They may have knowledge about it, um, but they don't have the wisdom. And I think something we talked about recently at our previous CG this past week was what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Right. A lot of people would think that knowledge and wisdom were the same thing, but we came up with a lot of ways that they were different. Right. So knowledge is having information and wisdom is knowing when and how to apply that information and then also gaining experience from applying the knowledge in certain situations. All-encompassing, that's how you can find a mentor who is qualified. For example, um, if a student or a person, human being of any age, knows how to add, subtract, multiply, or divide, but they're going to the grocery store and they need seven um, pieces of silverware, but they come in packs of five, and they got to figure out how many packs do they need <laughs> to make sure everyone has their silverware. You have to know how to apply your ability to reason and use math. Um, and that's where I would say it's wisdom versus knowledge. It sounds like one of those third grade math problems where Mike has 37 watermelon to the party. Like, why are there 37 of them? I don't know why we need all these melons, he but likes here we are. watermelons. Here and can you tell we've been practicing for star? Oh my goodness. Did you hear about the star image where it's, I guess it was the fifth grade maybe writing test and it was an image and they had to write about it or talk about it. I don't know. I didn't see the test and you're not supposed to talk about the test, but this came out in a report and there was graffiti on the image and it had a couple of bad words on there oh my and gosh. so this poor little fifth grader and this teacher can't read it or look at it without breaking the rules so they had to pass the buck on to the state and so that was a big whoopsie <sighs> crazy math problems all that to say and state testing another topic for another podcast right. back to being qualified Another thing that might help is if your morals or belief systems match up with the possible mentor. Um, Again, we're Jesus people over here, so it's a lot easier to seek wise counsel from someone who believes the same things you do 
and who does rely on that higher power. It's really hard to have someone not have that belief system and you try to gain wise counsel. You cannot seek wise counsel from someone who does not match up with your moral code in some way, shape, or form. And morals could go even to um, cutting corners. Um, I mean, Jesus doesn't like that, but, you know, we're, no one uh, is perfect. But, you know, whether it's cutting corners, not being completely honest. Running um, over people to get to the finish line. Yes, just being the greasy wheel to get the grease. So you just want to make sure that um, their day-to-day choices line up with what you're comfortable with right so even watching them before even approaching them might be a good idea just to see maybe it is a good fit maybe it isn't a good fit maybe I can see what some other people have tried which leads into another good point that you want to choose a mentor that has um, proven experience success with what it is you're wanting to improve upon right another factor that I really liked is that you need a mentor who's available so this is not saying you need to be able to have face-to-face meetings with someone. It is 2019. There is internet. Yay, internet. Um, Rachel Hollis was recently on the Power of Positive Summit that John Gordon hosts every year. It's a free, awesome event, and everybody should watch it um, as it comes out. But Rachel Hollis was on it this year, and she talked about how ignorance is a choice. With the internet that we have and all the knowledge at our fingertips, you are choosing to not learn about something uh, if, if you're not seeking it out. If you're not consciously looking for it or finding mentors, you, there are podcasts, there are articles, there are books. There are so many resources at our fingertips, so choosing not to even look for those, uh, that's, that's choosing an ignorant path and that's going to get you nowhere. So your mentor might not be someone you know on a personal level, but there are people in the field that you want to be in that you could look to. Um, I think this is, again, another area where people would find an excuse for not having made more progress or reaching their successes. Well, I didn't have a mentor. Everyone else seems to already know somebody. And I, I believe that if you start taking the steps to pursue your goals, you're going to come across people that could become your mentor so again it's just so easy to use health and fitness as an example if you want to get in shape man if you sign up and start going to a gym you are gonna be rubbing elbows with people that are fitness and health gurus or at least again no more maybe than you know when it comes to health and fitness and some like-mindedness there too as well if you're wanting to get better at anything you, you have the same goals and the same ideas matching that up there another part Farron you talked about is if you are going to meet with a mentor what should you kind of do ahead of time yes so again if you're going to meet with someone in person um, chances are if they are having a lot of success and you've seen all their experience um, that they're making time for you and so just to be respectful of their time for you to make the most out of the opportunity this might be the only time you get to meet with them If you plan to meet for um, half an hour, a good rule of thumb is to have prepared for twice as long as you plan to meet with someone. So if you're going to meet with someone for a half an hour, you need to spend at least an hour preparing, um, coming up with really good questions, um, specific questions. It's okay if some are, you know, just kind of vague to get you guys acquainted, but you want very specific questions and throughout the conversation, um, 
I'm sure more questions will come up. So be prepared with some type of note-taking advice. It shows and communicates to your mentor, too, how dedicated and how much buy-in you have. And if you're not fast at typing or writing, ask if you can record the session. They may say no, and you're just going to have to suck it up. But if they say yes, then you, you have that, and you can use it. You can ask to quote them on it. Another thing that the author wrote about is how you need to, once you come prepared with questions, you ask questions, you get information, then you need to, between meeting one and meeting two, if that ever magically happens, you need to go and apply all the knowledge you learned. You need to document what you tried, how you tried, um, and how it worked out or didn't work out, what you struggled with. And then when you go back and meet with them, you can show them, hey, I did not waste your valuable time. Here is what I did with the great information you gave me. Here are some follow-up questions. Exactly. And uh, just my own two cents that it might even be a good idea to have one other person that you're going to. We talked earlier that there's multiple ways to solve a problem. So just because one mentor is telling you to do it a certain way, if that's not working and if that's what works for your mentor, um, you might need to find another mentor. So uh, just don't don't use this as an excuse or a reason um, to stop your personal growth journey. Right, and one person, you're not going to be able to do exactly what someone else has done. You cannot replicate it because you are not that person. So again, even combining multiple people's information to come up with, I mean, I feel like that's what parenting is. Like, this person tried it this way, and your dog tried it this way, and your mom tried it this way. I'm going to try these all and come up with whatever works for me and my kid and my family. Yeah, is your dog available? Yes. I need a mentor. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I need fluffy. more back rubs and scratches behind the she's ears. A, she's a, a great dog for kids. Tell them what kind of dog you have. It's a Labradoodle. Her name is Bear, which is confusing to little kids because the dog's name is Bear, but bears are not dogs and dogs aren't bears, but our dog's name is Bear. So She looks like a small polar bear. She does. I love it when she's fluffy like a marshmallow. But Morgan always shaves her down in the summer. What are you doing? Now she just looks... Kind of like a roly-poly. <laughs> she's not slim. She is not a slim pup. But she's a great dog for the kids. They, they have a good time with her. Well, that's what counts. Go, Bear, go. Chapter 14, The Law of Expansion. Growth always increases your capacity. There is no finish line from a Nike commercial. Right, so this one is all talking about increasing your thinking. Um, it reiterates the start thinking about can instead of can I, how can I, instead of trying things one way, try multiple ways. It readdresses some of these topics, but it also adds in a couple of more. One kind of cliche thing it talks about is, you know, work smarter, not harder. And um, this phrase gets on our nerves we don't completely agree with it he doesn't use the exact words work smarter not harder he uses instead of thinking more work start thinking what works um so some people i think have today have turned that into work smarter but it's not about if i could just be a little bit smarter in this area then it unlocks everything it's more so um if I keep, it, like you said earlier, if I keep trying to do the same thing over and over and over and it's not working, I need to start thinking about, instead of doing it this one way, I need to figure out something else. And that's where you can seek out a mentor or good old Google or whatever it is. Um, but the fact is, 
just because you can become us. You, if you're smarter, you're going to have more success. That's not necessarily how this works. Yeah, I think you've pretty much nailed it that it doesn't convey that if you could just be smart enough, the work wouldn't be hard. Like, that's not true at all. There's always going to be a hard part of the job. There's going to be seasons when you just got to grind it out. And I think a good way to check is to check in with yourself to make sure, is there a smarter way I could be doing this? Or does this just require some hard work? Um, Again, just checking in with yourself, whether it's once a week, um, once a month, I wouldn't wait as long as once a year. But, you know, anytime that you find yourself just worn out and burnt out, you might stop and say, is there a smarter way to do this? If you find that you're spending all your time thinking and planning and nothing's getting done, then maybe that means it's time to just put your nose to the grind and get to work. Right. It's important to always bring the same amount of hard work ethic to the table every day, no matter what you're doing, whether it's taking out the trash, folding clothes, changing diapers, or changing the world. Whatever it is, you're always supposed to bring the same amount of work ethic to the table. Uh, But again, reiterating, do we need a new process? Do I need to seek wise counsel? What do I need to do differently here but still bring that same work ethic? Um, So we're not trying to exchange hard work for something. We're just trying to tweak the hard work in a way that will help us grow a little bit more. Another point, like you said, that he brings up again is instead of thinking about one door, start thinking about many doors. There's multiple ways to uh, solve a problem. But this also brings up the cliche, when one door closes, another door opens. Um, I listen to Ed Millett's uh, podcast frequently, and every person on that show that's now super successful, I mean, their story up until today, I mean, is full of failure after failure, door close after door close, and um, they still have a burning desire to grow and achieve and they, you know, they're going to have more doors close on them. But uh, just keep moving forward. Again, anything that you can do to prepare yourself for those failures or things that might bring you down, um, I think gives you a better chance of achieving your goals. Right. Another section in this chapter, he talks about how to increase your capacity for action. And one of the points we wanted to mention is about stop doing important things occasionally and start doing them daily there are so many, so many of the great inspirational leaders or life coaches or whoever you see. It's what they do with their daily disciplines that's the game changer. It's the slight edge, if you haven't read that. So it's the act of those small habits every single day, whether it's waking up at the same time or uh, dedicating your morning routine this way. I hear so much about your morning routine. I'm not a morning person. I know I need to work on this. But uh, I have certain things I do at the end of the day before I go to bed. So just think about what are your daily disciplines that do work for you or don't work for you and try to tweak those. Yeah, Rachel Hollis uh, suggests that it seems to be easier to add something um, to a daily habit than to uh, take it away. So that's I'm going to just pass that on from her to you. That's your little gift for today. Right, and it's almost even... It's not that you're having to drastically change what you're doing. You just need to tweak how you're doing it. Uh, Yes, my alarm goes off at this time of day, but am I hitting snooze? Maybe I need to stop hitting snooze and start getting up at the first time. Because that's going to throw my rim cycle off or whatever. And it's going to 
Um, it does more harm than good when you hit snooze. So that's you're still going to set the alarm for that time. You're still going to hear the alarm like you do every day. You're just making the little tweak of getting up then instead of in five minutes. Mm-hmm. This, this reminds me a lot, too, of the trade-offs that we talked about in episode four. So y'all can go check that out for more. Yeah, let us know what you do in your daily disciplines or something that works for you, especially with the morning routine, because I would love to get some more help on that. Um, So feel free to reach out on that. And another way to think of it, too, is like, what is it that you have in your routine now that when you skip it, it just throws your whole day off? What have you like come accustomed to that really impacts your life in a positive way? That's a really good one. And kind of sidebar, sometimes I know I need to get better at making an adjustment. Like if I think... When I get home from work, uh, the kids will be doing this with Morgan, and then I'll be able to make dinner, and then this will happen. But what if Morgan has to work late because some project went wrong and he has to go out there? I need to do better at adapting with that situation. Like I need a backup plan. So, yes, this routine isn't working for this one moment, so what is something I can already have in place in case that happens? Because if uh, if you know salespeople, sometimes their days are really crazy and last minute, like, oh, it's five o'clock and now you want to put in all these orders. Great. I'm so happy to do that. So just a little bit of flexibility there, especially for me. Yeah. Having a plan B is always a good, good idea. And also celebrating the small victories. If you set a goal for yourself to get up at 545 instead of 550 and you do it, celebrate the small victory, even if it's just like, a, yeah, I won the alarm clock. Yay. I think there's nothing wrong with getting excited about the little things because that's just going to propel you forward. Chapter 15, The Law of Contribution. Growing yourself enables you to grow others. If you're not doing something with your life, it doesn't matter how long it is. Contribution. Yes, I really liked this chapter, and it's a good one to end on. One of the first points we wanted to bring up is being grateful. I know um, it's really easy to find stuff you're thankful for. If you can't think of anything, you're not thinking hard enough. That I feel pretty strongly about that. I was kind of sassy when I said that. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Get it. Uh, one, one of my routines, we were just talking about daily routines. One of the things I do at the end of every day, I have this journal called One Line a Day. You can get it on Amazon. It's awesome. They have a bunch of cute covers or manly covers or whatever it is kind of cover you want. But it just has a few lines. And every day in there, I kind of use that as a gratitude slash prayer journal. So as I'm thankful for stuff, I'm also praying about it. That's just one of the things I do that I do every day to kind of close out the day, wind down, reflect, pray about it, and just try to cultivate this culture of gratitude, constantly being thankful. And I know it sounds lame, uh, but I try to do it throughout the day with the prayer life. This drives my husband crazy. If we make it through a green light, green light I'm like yeah God thanks for the green light and he's like that's so silly to pray for I'm like nothing silly to pray for Morgan so there's that I really like that um Ed Milet talks about um starting every day with gratitude and on one of his recent podcasts with Dr. Joe Dispenza they talked about how first thing in the morning your mind is the most impressionable and so if you start off in the morning talking about and praying and thinking about the things you're grateful for the rest of the day your mind starts looking um, for other things that you're grateful for it's kind of like when you go buy a certain car 
and then you see them all over the road. They were always there, but you have a heightened awareness of it. Yeah, that's a good point. So a lot of times people will start their mornings. I'm guilty of it too. Uh, getting on social media or getting on the news and you're setting your mind up for that kind of pattern to look for throughout the day. Um, so if you can retrain your brain in the mornings by looking, thinking about gratitude um, subconsciously and consciously, uh, you're more apt to look for the things you're grateful for than the things that maybe um, are pulling you down. I think that's a great point. First of all, you need to be aware what am I putting in my head in the first few minutes a day? Um, I didn't realize your brain was really impressionable at the beginning of the day. There's an app called The First Five that Lisa Turkhurst uh, made and created, and it's the first five minutes of the day. It's a daily devotional, um, super easy to access. So if you are looking for a, a quick fix for now to start a routine, that would be a good one. Uh, but that's I love that it sets up the back burner in your head all day long. You'll be thinking about things. It's easier to see. So that's a great way to kind of set up your day. It has to do with coming in and going out of sleep. So same as for going to bed. Um, You can fall asleep faster and with more ease um, as you start winding down at the end of the day. Uh, He chooses to meditate. um, But any type of calm, positive activity, not, again, falling asleep to the news, or, you know, negative social media, which it's all scattered throughout there. So Right. Another point he mentioned is that uh, you need to put people first. And this is just a great way to say servant leadership. Something that I try to look for in my bosses or in people that I want to put on my team. Are they servant leaders? And if you're looking for a typical um, role model, um, you'll find them. It's the ones who are carrying the load. They're always asking if they can help. They're the ones who are being kind, being nice, leading the way, uh, but also doing it instead of, hey, you go pick up the ball bag. It's, no, I'm the, I'm the captain. I should be grabbing the ball bag. Right. you got to lead by example. Um, I mean, I think Jesus is one of the greatest examples of being a servant leader. Um, there's a story in the Bible where the disciples are talking about and arguing over who's the best, and he overhears this conversation And, you know, he comes over to them and explains that whoever's the least is, you know, essentially the best. That, you know, whoever's serving and putting everyone else before themselves would then be more, most Christ-like. Yeah, if you're trying to find a way where you can become more of a servant leader, you should look to Jesus. Look Look at what he does in the New Testament and see how you can apply that to the 2019 or this modern era. Another great point in this chapter is having an attitude of giving. Our college soccer coach would always say in his lovely British accent that there are two kinds of people in the world, givers and takers. Which one are you? And I had never heard it phrased quite like that until he came along, or I guess we came along, to the program. And I just thought it was a really interesting take on life. And the more you think about it, yeah, there really are just givers and takers. So which one are you? Yeah, I think I find more fulfillment in giving. Um, Christmas can be crazy trying to find all the just right gifts, but I am way more thrilled to see other people open what I got them compared to what I may be opening. Unless I already know what it is and I really need it, like socks and underwear. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like those are staples for Christmas. Yes. Now that I'm pretty excited to receive, but... Um, even as a parent, it's so much fun. 
um, to give, especially to your kids. I think big picture, we just have to remember that everything that we get is a gift from God and it is not ours. It's ours to steward and do good works with it. So like with having kids, those, those kids are on loan. We've, we've got to do a good job with them so that we can give them back and hopefully they'll cross the line of faith and all that jazz. It's our job to steward those relationships. Uh, same thing with money, whatever income goes into our bank accounts that Clearly, God has given us the work ethic, the connection, the drive, whatever it is to get us there, to receive whatever said paycheck it is. I know that teachers make, you know, we're in it for the money and the fame, right? Uh, But whatever we get, we should also be giving, and the Bible's very clear about that, too. I mean, you talk about fame. I feel like a celebrity every time a kid sees me in a restaurant. But (laughs) You just don't run away like mine do? No, the parents act like paparazzi, too. They want a picture, and... No, it's really sweet. I hope if any of my students, past, present, future, see me, you better come say hi. That's funny. It's just total opposite with high school. They're like, uh, you you don't live at the school? No. <laughs> no, I don't. I have a life. Is that why the older ones look at me funny? They're like, <laughs> we're not in elementary school anymore. I don't want a picture with you, Mr. Rue. Yes. Well, <laughs> tying in this growing, uh, giving concept to personal growth, the the idea is the more you grow, the more you'll be able to give to others. And when you're giving to others, there's just a sense a sense of fulfillment in that. And even just giving wisdom that you have gained over the years. It would be so silly for me to, if someone were struggling with something and I happen to have gone through it and have overcome it and have good ideas about it, why would I not want to give that information willingly to help someone else? I mean, just to the core, you should always want to be a helper. Exactly. I mean, I think a lot of examples I shared were tangible gifts, but gifts could be giving, could be your time. It could be like you just said, your wisdom. It could just be being there, being present, showing up, um, maybe going the extra mile, um, you know, being thoughtful, thoughtful gestures. Yeah. I mean, I like how you mentioned giving can look so many different ways in whatever situation. So if you're looking for a way to be grateful, there is a way. Find a way. If you're looking for a way to give, there is a way. Find a way. So it's, again, just re-shifting how we see the world and what we can do to be thankful and to give to others. Thanks for listening to the Witty and Gritty podcast. Hosted by Brooke and Farron. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and our website, wittyandgritty.blog. Subscribe to our email list to get exclusive updates, freebies, and more. Keep tuning in to learn a little about a lot.